crossing the train tracks here that haven't been in operation since 1966. Wow. It's a long time ago. I remember that time. I, I remember I used to uh, commute through um, Princeton Junction. I, I lived in Plainsboro, New Jersey, which is uh, it's a weird little town. This was in uh, the 90s. What was it? Uh, 95, 96 time period, 97, something like that. Yeah, Plainsboro was a, uh, a town made up of uh, apartments, like, like apartment communities. Garden apartments, I guess you'd call them. You know, a bunch of separate buildings, each of them having 8 or 10 or 16 apartments. And But this entire town was made of them. It was the strangest thing. You know, I, I, I lived it. It was really quite a... It was quite a horrible place to live because... Uh, not just it was extremely depressing. The entire town, you would just drive, and like I lived in, Deer, I think it was called Deer Creek or Deer Run or some some sort of deer-related apartments. But there were so many other ones that were just with different names. I don't know if one developer bought just a huge tract of land and made it into a town to make it into apartments. You know, I I wonder if I, I must have researched this at some point on the show. I don't know of any other towns that are like that. Just a town of apartments. <laughs> it's very kind of apocalyptic if you really think about it. Um, yeah, I remember, I, I don't know why, I was living in uh, Island. I was just in Island the other day, in fact, uh, when I went to the mall. Went down to, uh, on Saturday, I went down to, as I mentioned on last episode, I went down to uh, Menlo Park Mall and Woodbridge Center Mall. And was there on uh, the road, uh, I was near the road, Gill Lane which when it crosses Route 1 becomes uh, Woodbridge Center Drive because it goes right by the shopping mall there. Gill Lane. was, uh, was it was, Yeah, it was at Bristol Apartments on Gill Lane. That's where I lived. Yeah, I talked recently about the famous inept maintenance man, Bristol Bill. Yes, it was a good one. Um, yeah, it was wild being down there again. I, I even remember I made a song called The Gill Lane Saga on some sort of synthesizer program. Ah, God, it is freezing out here. It is an incredibly gloomy afternoon. And big rain has just started that uh, I think we're going to miss this being a big snowstorm by a few degrees temperature-wise. Yeah, this is uh, a big one. And uh, apparently a little to the west, it's, it's all snow and ice and sleet. But here, I think it'll just be rain. You hear it? I think you can hear that. Got my big umbrella, the famous giant umbrella. Very cumbersome to carry around. You know, usually when I was commuting and it was like, uh, I said it's going to be a huge rainstorm and then I would bring this giant umbrella, which is a pain to carry around everywhere. There would not be a drop of rain. You know how that works. But of course, this storm seems to be more, more certain. So as it has already started, and it's just going to get worse. Yeah, I'm heading into a work Christmas party, or holiday party, actually, obviously. They can't call it Christmas party. It's a holiday party. Can they even call it a holiday party, or is it just a winter party? But it's not winter yet. It just right, it doesn't turn winter until, like, the 21st. It's uh, still around, was it, the 15th of December 2022 now, yeah. Anyway... So yeah, heading in, and uh, horrible weather. But anyway, yeah, so like this, uh, 
living in so I don't know why I think I I got this idea in my head that I if I moved down to Plainsboro it would be a lot cheaper the, the rent would be a lot cheaper I don't know how much that was how true that was but uh, the place was really kind of depressing and there was a bunch of these people living nearby who were very disruptive playing loud music all all times of the day and night and hanging out outside and like it was just they, they were acting in a disruptive manner and uh, I tried to get out of my my lease early because of it the guy's like no you can't do that he's like keep track of everything call the police and I'm not gonna do that it was just a mess it was the 90s but the, the most wild thing was uh, <coughs> the commuting situation which is that I took the train from Princeton Junction now, Princeton Junction is on the Northeast Corridor line. This is the train line that basically goes all up the East Coast. So, you know, from D.C. up through uh, Baltimore, Philadelphia, and then through New Jersey, New York City, through Connecticut, and eventually up to Boston. So, I could take either New Jersey Transit or somehow, if you had a monthly pass... For New Jersey Transit, you could take the Amtrak that stopped there as well. And I just remember it was the most grueling commute. It was like two and a half hours each way. It was insane. Right? This commute is like an hour and a half each way, but you're adding an hour each way on that one. That's a wild one. I think I only lived down there for a year, if I'm not mistaken. Then I moved up to Clifton, nearby here. This is all before I was doing the overnight scaper, doing regular recordings. It would have been great, though. At that time, I would have had to use a, uh, you know, a little portable cassette recorder because you didn't have the digital stuff. But still, I wish I had done more. I did record back then, but it was more me recording my thoughts on my creative projects. Which I mean, I played some. I put some of those on the Tape Land uh, series and stuff. But I guess I guess I just wasn't ready to do my show yet. It just wasn't the right time. But it would have been cool. So I do some have a show like the Overnight Skate back then in the 90s. Last I checked, my bus here is uh, delayed. Of course it is. Of course it is. Ugh. I feel so disconnected from the commute that once was the bus stop here. But yeah, as a commuter, you get used to all sorts of weather. Great heat. The hottest heat to the coldest cold. Horrible weather of all sorts. Rain and snow and everything. Still got to go on the commute. Which involves a lot of uh, standing around and walking around outside. Look, the road closed. Yeah, this, this freaking road has been closed for years now. There was a little bridge. A very little bridge. That... Uh, you know, on this road, it's it's it's, it's Kingsland. It, it crosses over from Nutley to Clifton, so one of them's Kingsland Road, the other one is Kingsland Street, and that bridge is the demarcation point. I guess I guess the what the, the little river is the uh, border between the towns. No, it's not actually. I don't know how that works. I think just by coincidence that the the the, the line between the towns is right there. So anyway, um, this little like nothing bridge. It's just you know, it's like a little 
concrete thing that goes over this little tiny river. It's not even a big river. It's just a little creek or something. They said it was going to take a year to do it, which sounds ridiculous. I can't imagine that you couldn't tear down the bridge and build another one in, I don't know, three to six months? I mean, let, let, let's give them some time. But, I mean, uh, it's years later now, and apparently the company they hired to, uh, to rebuild this bridge went out of business. And it's, and it's just been years of the street being closed, which, which results in the, my bus having to take this massive detour that goes on for about like 10 or 15 minutes up and down all these streets in the town. It's so annoying. I would have thought it'd be over by now. You know, but I, don't, I really don't take the bus that much anymore because I work out from home most of the time, but you know what I'm saying. So anyway, this commute from Plainsboro was wild. It was really wild because I would drive to this parking lot um, at Princeton Junction and you had to pay so you had to pull into the spot there was a uh, I don't know exactly how it worked I, you had to note the, the, the space you're in like I'm, I'm in space number 413 and you had to go over and you had to like uh, I don't know if it was automated at that point maybe you had to like put like two dollars in an envelope and write the number on the envelope or something like that I'm not sure if they even had it it was, it was digital back then it, it probably, I mean, obviously it could have been in that time period, you know. They had vending machines. Obviously, this is, a, this is not that long. I'm thinking like 1996 is like this ancient time. It's not really. But whatever the mechanism was, you know, you had to, you had to put the number in. The only thing is that parking lot filled up at about, I think at about like 520 in the morning. Sometime like that, it just filled up. So, of course, I aimed to get there to get a space. But a lot of times I was running late and... Uh, rushing to get out and um, by the way the drive from where I lived in Plainsboro to um, Princeton Junction goes through Grover's Mill the little town where the uh, aliens landed in uh oh wow that's so appropriate oh my god I can't it's so weird I didn't even I just randomly thought up this topic I didn't realize there was a connection to the what, what's today's episode called hold on let me think about it uh subtilité de la poisson Fluvial, yes. It's in French. This is my first French title. I don't know. Subtilité de la Poisson Fluvial, yes. It does relate to uh, Rovers Mill, New Jersey. Um, yeah. And there's actually, you know, this is a Orson Welles' War of the Worlds radio broadcast, right? Where he, uh, he tricked everyone into thinking the aliens had landed. And he chose Grover's Mill, New Jersey, just randomly. That wasn't an H.G. Wells book or anything. He chose it as, like, no one would suspect this obscure town in New Jersey would be part of a hoax. And they actually do have a, have a, a little plaque or a little, you know, like a little stone memorial to the... Not really a memorial, but a stone reminder. What would you call that? To the uh, War of the Worlds there in Grover's Mill. I don't think Grover's Mill is like a thriving metropolis. It's like a little, it's, it's not even a, it's sort of like, it's, it's sort of like Plainsboro. It's just sort of a road. I don't even know if there's an actual, there's like no downtown or anything, I don't think. Just some farms. It's very, very remote down there in Jersey. I haven't been down there in a long time in that area. Um, so I remember also that year there was just a ton of snowstorms. That was the year where it, it snowed like six or seven feet of snow. I remember that it was such an insane snow and uh where the heck was i working i'm trying to remember listen it's a long time ago these mem- these memories fade but anyway i remember 
almost every time I went there, the, it was the parking lot was just covered in snow because it was like snowing every day. It was like this snow apocalypse '97 or whatever. That was also the year there was like a comet. There was a comet in the sky, and I'm thinking like those old pictures of Halley's comet. Because, you know, Paley's Comet was, what, 1910, and then in 86, they're like, oh, my God, it's going to be great. You didn't see anything. I could see nothing. I thought it was going to be this giant, like, ball with a tail in the sky. Nothing. But then they're like, oh, there's this other one. Was it Kahootak or Hale-Bopp or one of them? And it was just like you looked in the sky, and there was, like, this slight, like, greenish glow in the sky. It's like, wait a minute, is it a... What is it? Is it a giant cloud? Isn't it? Isn't a isn't a comet more of like a ball of rock that the material's being pushed out by the solar winds? Like it just made no sense. But you could sort of see this faint glow in the sky. Like that's a comet? That makes no sense. Listen, you, you look back. There's it doesn't make any sense. And then I, then there was this situation. It was there too. One morning I went out and everything was covered with this bizarre webbing. Everything, like every street light, every, every bush, every tree was covered with this stuff. Is that my bus? Yes, it is. All right. Okay, here we are at Port Authority bus terminal. Just arrived. So yeah, on, on the detour, there was there was another detour. Yes. It was pretty amazing. Um, so then the bus got all confused and started taking the uh, the local streets and I was really hoping because those local streets could really reduce the extent of the original detour, but the buses really are not allowed to go down those streets. They can only go down the, the main streets, right? Like I know on my street, sometimes when there's a detour, all these big buses go by, and it's, you know, you don't, if you don't, it's really even better not to have buses going by on your street if you can avoid it. So, but luckily, the bus driver figured it out, and we actually. Got a little bit of a shortcut on the detour because of the other detour. See, it's, it's the little things in life that really, uh, yeah. Ah, the Port Authority. What's up with my shoe? I, I, it feels like my shoe's untied. Let me come over here and kind of like lean down and retie my shoe. All right. That's better. Yep, the old ticketing plaza. Over there, remember Public Phone 2000 used to be over there, and the the three stat the statue of the three commuters taking the bus, and all of the brown tiles that used to be the aesthetic back in the 70s and 80s. It's rather comforting. This place is still here. I think they are building it, but they're building a new one eventually, right? They're tearing this place down. Listen, as much as I've heard of, you know. Listen, when you're forced to go... When I was commuting five days a week before the pandemic, when you're forced to go somewhere like twice a day, every day, you form sort of a uh, a bond with it, you know? It's sort of like... Uh, though it is old and ugly and messed up, you sort of become fond of it in a certain level. But I've certainly had a huge amount of experience in this place. And who knows? Maybe the new bus place would be better. Now, so long as they use some brown brown in the design. I know most new places now have gone for more the, the, the gray tones of gray and chrome. Very cold, as opposed to a warm feeling. To me, a bus station is, is for the people. So it should the brown represents for the regular people. I think the chrome and 
white and gray marble means it's for the upper the upper crust you know not for the the what do they call the hoi polloi is that the right word for it the regular people the common people but the people taking the bus they're not the rich people it's it's you know the regular people take the bus okay so there should be brown involved anyway and as i've, I've I, as i've often commented the uh, the old world trade center was there's a shopping mall in the old world trade center and in the new one and the old one had tons of brown tile everywhere and the new one is not a single bit of brown other than that one little area by the e train that's still the same that was never demolished after 911 it was there's a, a little section at least i mean i was there within the past year or two there's a little section that's still there that has browns and tans and yeah. stuff so uh, anyway here we go Raining out here? It looks like it is. Right. Yes, a rainy day in New York City. Get the umbrella going. Giant umbrella, go! It is giant. It is umbrella. Yeah. Oh, so anyway, yeah, so this one morning I go out there in Plainsboro and everything's covered with webs. Like this webbing, this like white webbing material everywhere. Like it was on everything and on all the cars, everything, the ground. And uh, I went to the bus. I, I drove to the, to the station there and uh, everything was covered. And I'm like, what? And everyone, no one acted like they noticed it at all. It was the most bizarre thing. It just happened overnight. What, it was billions of spiders did something? I mean, so there's a guy on the platform I didn't know, but he, I was like, hey, did you notice these webs? He's like, what? What are you talking about? He just like, he, he, he shrugged and like, yeah, whatever. It was so weird. It was one of those weird experiences that like I witnessed this bizarre phenomenon and it didn't seem like anyone else could even be bothered to notice it. That was weird. Anyway, oh look, they're advertising the new uh, the movie Megan about a, a, a robotic doll that uh, it, it, its programming goes bad. It starts to kill everyone. Gee, how original! Is there any movie about robots where the robots don't go nuts and start killing everyone? What are they trying to tell us about robots? That they're all murderous? I don't know. I think some robots could be very nice. Well, maybe heartbeats. They didn't did, like did Andy Kaufman and Bernadette Peters. They weren't really. Well, I don't really remember that movie. Did I even see that movie? I don't know. Uh, yeah, and then I also remembered. So basically, uh, that parking lot that filled up at 5:20. If you got there after 5:20 a.m., you had to go. Some guy had this lot. And he was making a boom in business. The people that, that were late, the overflow, uh, he charged more for parking. I think he charged $4. Listen, that was kind of a lot of money back then. There's been a lot of inflation since then. Uh, and, and then you had a much further way to walk. So you had to like, run to get your train. It was, a whole, it was a whole thing. I remember the trains were so crowded that there were no seats. That I, have, I would have to sit in the, you know, those little vestibules between the trains, like having, having to sit there on the ground. Captain Cookie and the Milkman? What is this crap? 
Anyway, it's like most people didn't have umbrellas. This, this storm's been predicted for, for, for many days. Oh, someone else with a giant umbrella, but not quite as giant as mine. Yeah, and that was the time period I had my Mac, my MacBook or PowerBook. Yeah, it was a Macintosh laptop computer real early on. It had a, a trackball. It was a PowerBook 130 or 150 or something. And I used to do writing. I used to write on the bus, uh, uh, on the train there. Because I was doing my easy. And even though I was not doing an audio show, I was doing my my electronic magazine known as Osoa Week. The weekly e-zine of, a, of Oblivion, a super occult amusement. Oh look, Harry Potter's still there. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, or the Cursed Child, however you pronounce it. It's time to believe in magic again. Is it? Passing by what had been this iconic McDonald's here. That even, listen, when McDonald's has to shut down, you know there's a problem. Well, they probably quadrupled their rent, or, well, let's, that's conservative. They probably uh, sextupled their rent. Even McDonald's couldn't pay it. Breckenridge bourbon whiskey. <laughs> what is that? They're, <laughs> but it's like a, it's like a hat store, but above it they're, they're advertising on a video screen for Breckenridge bourbon. <laughs> right. Yeah, I still have a lot of writing. I remember in my writing, I, w I would actually say w the number of the train car that I was in. Oh, but I know something. What? Oh, but I know something. What's that? Sing-song comment from the peanut gallery. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, like today's episode is... Wait, let me try to say this properly without it in front of me. It's in French, so it's hard to say. Uh, subtilité des poissons fluviales. Go! Um, that means uh, the subtleties of river power. So, this all happened this morning. For some reason, that song by uh, Primal Scream has been stuck in my head. Come together, oh, oh, come together. Kiss me, don't you want to kiss? You know that song? Off the Screamadelica album from 1991. An album that, you know, some some albums age better than others. And uh, Screamadelica has aged very, very well. I mean, I, that that is just, you know, another group from that, from like that time period. Uh, sorry, there's a weirdness going on here uh, on this Yes. Trying to cross the street. Anyway, um, Tears for Fears. Like their, like, their top songs just really stand the test of time. You know, and there's other groups. I can't think of any at the moment, but that seemed good at the time, but really don't have much substance, musical substance. So, in the morning, I was making breakfast, and I, I asked my um, Alexa to play Screamadelica by Primal Scream. And this Alexa has been having so many problems because there's another Alexa in the other room and it constantly starts playing on the other Alexa. 
So I have to be very careful what I say, and it, there's times when I have to go in the other room and in the living room and actually unplug the Alexa just just so I can hear something in the kitchen. I mean, it's ridiculous. It, it, I mean, it's really, really bad. I suppose in the scheme of things, it's not the worst problem to have. But uh, so I started playing. You know, it starts off with um, "I was blind, now I can see." You made a believer out of me. And obviously the singer can sing, unlike me. I'm moving on up now. Out of the darkness. Yes. All these people without umbrellas, they didn't anticipate the uh, this afternoon shower. Yeah. So anyway, then of course, the second song on the album is Slip Inside This House, a cover of the 13th Floor Elevator song. And uh, that song by the 13th Floor, it's pretty much the only song by the 13th Floor Elevators that I really know. But it's one of the best songs ever made, Slip Inside This House. And one of the, the, the lines is, The subtleties of river power. I've always loved that line. And on uh, Primal Screams album, the guy says, The subtle ties of River Power. Drives me crazy every time I hear it because the cover is so good, so different. Subtle ties of River Power. So he obviously was more like reading the lyrics than having listened to the actual song if he's saying subtle ties instead of subtleties. Though I did hear on a live album by Primal Scream, he did eventually say subtleties. Realized the error of his ways. I know I shouldn't let it bother me so much, but... uh, so this is just this morning, and I'm like, uh, I wonder what subtleties of river power would be like translated into another language. Uh, maybe French. So I went on the internet, and uh, yes, I didn't realize this. Like I'm thinking, like all these songs that are in English, I never think there must be websites that translate them into other languages. So there are, and so uh, there was a, a French lyrics. The only problem was <laughs> the translation I found was. Uh, now I'm not going to be able to get it. Why can't I? Oh my god. Anyway, it was of Poisson Rhythmique, right? Subtilité de la Poisson. Wasn't Poisson fish? No, this is a different Poisson. Poissons. Poissons. I don't know French. I'd like to, though. I do like French. Poisson Rhythmique. So someone thought it was the, the subtleties of, of rhythm power. What? Why is, that, why is everyone messing up that line? Subtle ties and, and, and rhythm power? Poissons rhythmique? Get out of here. So finally, I just translated it myself. And it was, uh, you know, the word for river, fluvial. So, and then I found a couple, two other, once I put that in the search engine, I found two other people that had translated into French the same way. Subtilité de la puissance fluviale. Subtleties of river power. So I thought that would be a cool, uh, a cool show title. <laughs> Pretty random. But then, then I uh, sorry, more street crossing issues here. Then I I was walking uh, right before I started the show. I'm like, you know, I, I need something to talk about. I really have nothing to talk about. 
it's tough. I, I need to come up with a topic just to get going, you know, give me a topic and I can just get, get fly with it. But so I'm crossing the tracks. I'm like, maybe I should talk, talk about train tracks in some way. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it, it's the snow. It could be snowing, but it's raining. How about uh, the whole Plainsboro thing? So I started talking uh, just randomly out of the blue. I'm like, that's a good that's a good thing to start with. Let me just start with that. And then I realized, right, uh, Grover's Mill is going to figure into the story, obviously. And at the start of the cover version by Primal Scream, you hear someone saying, "War, the war of the world's Martians landed. And I don't think I was ever able to confirm, but I do believe that is Rocky Erickson from the 13th Floor Elevators, who was kind of a nutty guy, saying something like that. The war of the world's Martians landed. <laughs> so, listen, this is obviously somewhere deep in my subconscious perhaps uh i may have realized the connection but it was not conscious at all that the two things kind of connected <laughs> it took me a long time to figure out what the guy was saying he was like the war of the world's martians landed i watched a documentary about rocky erickson it was sad he, he was in like mental institutions most of his life he was still alive as of a few years ago i don't know if he's still alive though he wrote that one good song though Slip inside this house as you pass by the subtleties of river power. Hey, it's later on now. To the office holiday party. Definitely, definitely nice to see a few people, and uh, you know, it's good to show to show your face. Especially because I've been working from home so for so long. But it's just really weird, like, coming back to New York City. I've always experienced this. It just sort of... It feels like I'm in a weird... Not the real thing, but just sort of remembering the past. There's something about that uh, really super intense five-day-a-week uh, commuting that created a very special kind of experience tough grueling but once you adapt to it once you get used to it you know you start to notice the subtleties uh, involved in it but yeah I was talking to you know I've been working there for seven and a half years so I was sort of I have these like distant memories from like six or seven years ago of working there <laughs> it's just funny that it's just <coughs> and I don't I don't know if anyone else kind of like got where my angle was there like because I sort of feel like I have these nostalgic memories about different places and times in my life. And that this office, which seemed like so new just a few years ago, is so old now. Like, the, I remember the old office. You know, just my experience working there um, as a kind of a nostalgic feel. Oh, it is raining out here. The big umbrella going. The old office. See, it's not raining too much. This umbrella seems like overkill now. All right, let's go over to Bryant Park. Why, why does it feel warm out here now? I think I've just been overheated in, in the office. Um, yeah. Yeah, anyway, I remember Remember that. I, I, I think I was... What was that? No, it was when I was at the American Dream Mall. I was talking about that album. Um, 
by the new number two, right? George Harrison's son, Danny Harrison. I remember it was like in was it 2010. I bought the uh, slot music player and the the slot music chip. It's like a little micro SD card for this album by the new number two, which was a reference to the Prisoner, by the way. And then I came right over here, and I remember I sat down at at a table and was like, I took the uh, MP3 player and the battery and the little microchip out of the out of the packaging, and uh, I was listening to it. See, that's the thing: as you get older, you have all of these layers of memories everywhere you go. And it, I mean, it's it's kind of cool, I guess, but at the same time, it's kind of like a totally different tone to like if you're like going to a place for the first time or it's brand new to you, you know? All these bittersweet memories of years past. I think it was right over here I was sitting. Let me go let me go to the exact spot where I was listening to the new number two. Oh look, there's Max Brenner, chocolate from the bald man, but they took the bald man out of out of the whole equation. There's no more bald man involved. Yeah, I think it was right over here in fact, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was right over here. This uh walkway seems less wide now because there's a bunch of stores taking up half the walkway but I wonder if I should go to the comic book store maybe I should I got my corporate uh, holiday gift which was a corporate mug everyone was saying they, they used to give out like a little bit better presents now it's a corporate mug but I don't know I'm kind of into mugs so I'm kind of I kind of dig the mug concept I'll use it I get very attached to certain mugs. Like in the morning when I got my coffee, I got to choose which mug I'm going to use. I feel like, you know, I have an array of mugs that help me to feel special in the morning with the mug I choose. Christina's World Glass Ornaments? Isn't that the name of that painting that was in the Museum of Modern Art, like in the hallway? And also in my pediatrician's office when I was a kid, he had a print of it. That woman, like, laying in a field, and, like, what's wrong with her? Did anyone ever find out what was wrong with her? With Christina? Or was it, like, Jessica? Maybe it was Jessica's world. So one of those kind of names. Christina or Jessica, one of those, one of those names. Oh, I smell some kind of fried foods. Remember that one year this, there was, like, five or six vegan places at this, uh, this, this marketplace? The Winter Market? The Winter Village is what they call it. No, you can't use the word holiday or Christmas or anything anymore. But winter, listen, if someone's offended by the concept of winter, that's their problem, okay? It's, it's a reality. Winter is like comes around every year. So if you, if you can't handle that concept, I don't know what to tell you. Is there anything good here? I mean, any good stores or anything? Sensual Aroma Skincare, Yumi Jewelry and Plants. Talk about vague comments. This stuff, everything like this is vague. All these stores are very vague. Like, what the hell do they even sell? Remember they used to have grits here? Remember that grits guy that was here? But eventually people didn't buy enough grits, so he, he, he changed to french fries and then he just quit. He's gone. Well, I couldn't eat it. I mean, I, I was eating those grits when I, back when I was vegetarian, not vegan, but, you know. I wouldn't be able to partake. I could have suggested to him to make vegan grits, but... Grits are hard enough to sell as it is without veganizing them. You know what I'm saying. Wait, 
Alex, Star, and Konami. Himalayan artware. Just a bunch of hats. Why is it every other store I see is a bunch of hats? You have silly puppets over there. That's a pretty good store. Do they have any owl puppets? Let me see. Uh, let's see what kind of puppet. They have a lot of puppets, though. They have uh, humans. There's a devil, a wizard, um, a duck, a robot, a clown, an old man, a pirate, a dragon. Um, I don't see any owls, though. The hell good is, what the hell good is a puppet store without an owl puppet, for God's sakes? Please. Skeleton. More pirates. More old guys. <laughs> kind of like a Statler and Waldorf kind of deal, you know. You have puppets up in the corner criticizing you all day long. Remember that, remember that thing idea I had of like a virtual reality, like puppets that would criticize you in your house? Like you walk in your living room, these puppets look... And they're making these sarcastic jokes about you. And it would actually be people somewhere in the world that were assigned to, like, sort of badmouth you and make jokes about you in your own house. Kind of like Statler and Waldorf. You know what I'm saying? No? Hell's Kitchen hot sauce. I do need some hot sauce, but I don't know. Feels like an uphill battle to try to choose one of these one of these expensive hot sauces. I just need some Frank's, you know, Red Hot or something. You know, let me get out of here. This place is annoying me. It shouldn't annoy me. It's a lovely winter w winter market gathering place. Why is it annoying me so much? I don't know. Yes. <clears throat> oh yeah. So the show art I chose for today's episode. What it was the title again? Every time I try to think of this French title, I like it, but it's like uh, Subtilité de la Poissance Fluviale. Yes. Why can't I just say it all at once? All right, I'm going to try to remember this French phrase. I should learn French. I like French. Subtilité de la Poissance Fluviale. Yes. The subtleties of river power. Is it even raining anymore? All right, it is rain. It's, it's you know... It's a little more than drizzle, but a little, le little less than rain. Let's put it that way. All right. So if I go to the comic shop, I can get that uh, previews. But I don't. I don't have like I usually have my backpack with me. I just throw it in the backpack. But I don't have the backpack. I do have my mug in my my jacket pocket though, so I don't have to have a bag on that regard. But <laughs> there's Pret a Manger. That place is degenerated. They hardly have any vegan food anymore at Pret a Manger. Remember I went to that Pret-a-Manger in, in London at that train station when, when I met uh, Doc Slees? That was amazing. They had a ton of vegan stuff at the British Pret-a-Manger. What did that guy say about emotion? It's just emotion taking me over. Yeah, this Pret feels like it's degenerated over the years. I want my old New York at some level. I, this new New York is just kind of like a faded ember of the New York that was ablaze in my youth. <laughs> my youth when I was when I was in my early fifties. <laughs> yeah. Not my mid fifties. Ah! <laughs> I think someone heard me do that and looked at me with a quizzical look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Anyway, heading down 41st Street here. What is this, Carrot Express? What is this crap? Healthy, yum. It's amazing. There's like this succession of these food places that just come and go. Is it like, do the people that open the, like the, sub, the person that opened Carrot Express, that obviously will be out of business in two years. Like what, do, are they personally ruined? Do they wind up in the poorhouse when their Carrot Express fails? Or is it some sort of scam? Is it some sort of money laundering scheme? What is up with these endless succession of restaurants? Are there people paying the price? Oh, coming soon. But you know what I'm saying? Uh, like, are people individually ruined? Do you know how many restaurants fail? It's like... I think it's all some sort of big scam. I think it's all a big scam, honestly. Yeah. I guess the idea is if it, if it becomes popular, you can, like, really rake in the cash. <laughs> Look, WeWork is still in business. Didn't they have, like, a ton... It's amazing. Remember all the controversies of WeWork? And then somehow it's still in business. It's fine. Everything's fine after all the controversies. Great. Oxido Modern Mexican? Sticky's Finger Joint? Ugh. All right, I guess I'll go to the comic shop. And I could have used a smaller umbrella, damn it. It's not raining that hard. Hey, it's the next morning now. I'm in the basement. It's 6.06 a.m. Ooh, at 6 a.m., the... Uh, what is that sound? Oh, I think it's the, the gas meter in the wall making weird noises. Anyway, um, yeah, at 6 a.m., Marvel Snap, this this game on my phone, you, you, you get new offers in the shop and stuff and new quests. 6 a.m., 2 p.m., and 10 p.m. That's how it works every eight hours. What we got here? Some variant cards, any good ones? I haven't gotten any good ones. Beast, Electra, Yondu, Gigant. Oh, Giganto might be good. Professor X and Craven. Yeah, no. You gotta buy them with like real money. But look who I have in this shop. It's Venom. Ooh. And I only have a thousand tokens here. I don't know. I haven't been doing a lot of destroy decks lately, so I don't know. I think I'll hold off on Venom at the moment. And get some freak fifty credits. That's good though. Any good quests this morning? Play three cost cards, play six cost cards, play two hundred power worth of cards, play five cost cards. Oh, well, whatever. We'll get to this later. See, the fun things in life. The, your video games on your telephone. Every eight hours, they give you new offers. It's kind of cold in the basement, but I'm okay. I, I have my Baja hoodie on. You know, the Baja hoodie. A few years ago, I became obsessed with them and bought a few of them. They're great, though. I love the Baja hoodie. It has a hood. It has, like, a, a pouch in the front. The, the, no, like a pocket in the front. You can store stuff, and usually I know the Baja hoodie is associated with outdoor activities, but, you know, being in a cold basement at the crack of dawn, recording an audio program is also a good use for a Baja hoodie, I would think. <laughs> so yeah, I went to the uh, the comic shop there, Midtown Comics, there on 40th Street by uh, 7th Avenue, right across from the... Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville Resort. Yes. 
wonder how that place is doing. I don't know. I did get uh, into into Jimmy Buffett to a degree uh, in the past year or two. I'm glad I did. I'm glad I do understand some de- some degree of the music and stuff. I haven't really listened to him at all in like months, so. You can kind of dig it, though, to a degree, the whole Jimmy Buffett thing. So, yeah, I went to the comic shop, and I, uh, you know, walked around. It's just wild. It's just like, it's, it's cool that it's still there. It's just, you know, I just think the activity of, of the people, like, I, I never buy comic books anymore. Like, the comic books themselves are very thin and small, and like, you know, they read it in 10 minutes, 5 minutes, it costs like $5 or something. It's like the worst value in the world of entertainment. Right? I mean, just think. You pay 10 bucks a month for some kind of a Netflix, 15 bucks a month for a Netflix. You can watch endless hours of movies and TV shows. And never mind, almost all these comic books are collected into these graphic novel collections, you know, or combined editions. That, that right? And I'm, and I'm sure on a per-page basis, I, I, ha- I don't know, but I'm sure they're cheaper. It's just the purpose of the comic book, right, is more aimed at at kids, at children. It was it was a cheap, you know, form of entertainment back before there was an internet. Back before, you know, it was. And as a kid, I had the comic books we had, which we were certainly not collectors as kids, but we had some comic books. They were really these valuable, amazing objects because we just had a few random ones here and there. We knew almost nothing about the whole world of comic books, but the ones we had with these cool characters and everything and were amazing. But it's all like pe- older people that, um, you know, like my age or even older, that are uh, buying these stacks of the actual comic books, not the not the collected works, but the comic books. And it's just a collecting urge. It's like a it's like just the desire to collect and like you. When you buy them, the guy in front of me was, oh, how, how many cardboard backers do you want for these? You know, comic books were meant to be read in the past, not to be sealed in with cardboard backs and plastic bags, and right? I understand comic books are collectibles because in the past they, uh, it was considered just a piece of junk for kids, and then it had this cultural value. So a lot of comic books became valuable and you had to put them in, in plastic bags with cardboard backers to preserve them, but not new ones. Listen, that's just my perspective. But people are just obsessed with collecting and they'll spend hundreds of dollars a week on this stuff. Never mind at Midtown Comics, their, their uh, customer number is based on your birthday. So I hear these people telling their birthday. So you know how old they are. This one guy was like something, something 77. I'm like, my God, that guy looks so old, but he's 10 years younger than me. Wait a minute. What the hell's going on? And one guy was like 59. You know, like, like it's so it's just such a horrible system. I never signed up for that system. I don't buy enough comics for it to make it to matter. But these guys that are buying stacks of 20 books for saying like $100, $200 a week. Then they give you some sort of big discount, you know, considering how horribly expensive it is. But the, but using your birthday as your code, that's kind of wild, man. That's wild. Yeah. So I I, I, I bought um, previews, as I usually do. And uh, so with previews, they used to 
so what happened was Previews is a Diamond Comics, which at one point was the sole comic book distributor. And it would just be, it would contain every comic book that was coming out like two or three months hence. So I, I always loved that. It's just kind of an overview of things. Relatively inexpensive. I think it's still only $5. It's big, you know, hundreds of pages. And I like getting an overview of what's going on in the world of comics. I just don't want to buy any of the comics. And the and and then what happened is like <coughs> um I think it was uh DC or Marvel they like they wanted to be out of the catalog and have their own their own monthly catalog that was it more the comic book size then DC did the same thing so I used to get previews and then they would jam in these two comic books inside right now they're not even jamming them inside like they're just for free in the front so there was a DC one but not a Marvel one but I don't really care about those as much what does the DC one say? It's the, the new dawn of the DC universe. Really? They reboot everything so often. It's ridiculous. Anyway, um, I also got Game Trade Magazine, which is a monthly magazine. It's sort of a monthly catalog of all the games that are coming out a couple months from now. That's always a fun thing to browse on the toilet. <laughs> um, and I got Retro Fan Magazine, which is a pretty good magazine. Uh, the last one I've it was really cool. It had a big article on color forms. With a two-page spread of hundreds of different color forms boxes uh, over over the decades, <clears throat> I think it has uh, was Billy Moomy and Angela Cartwright in their current forms, <laughs> interviews with them in their current their current state, Lost in Space cast member stuff still alive. It's amazing. Yeah, so it came out to like nineteen dollars and ninety three cents. So I had actual cash. It's amazing these days. This. Is this are these the last days of cash? I know there's all these articles online about how they're going to make like digital currency now or whatever. I don't know. I have a feeling cash will last a while longer. But uh, he's like, "Do you want your uh, do you want your pennies?" I'm like, "Yeah, no, no." I mean, if he's asking, what do I need? I need pennies. I'm like, no. I'm like, you know, most other countries got rid of them, like Canada and stuff. And he's like, "Yeah, but their money's worth so much less than ours. Their, their pennies are worth even less." I'm like, "Yeah, that's true." It's like, do you want your nickel? And I'm like, yeah, I guess I'll take the nickel, you know, <laughs> which I think was relevant. I think I needed the nickel later on for a bit of a for a bit of a uh, a crisis. I needed water. We'll get to that though. Um, yeah, but then I had so they they are they are able to give you a paper bag. Like it's so funny in Jersey, all bags are kind of forbidden. Well, actually, yeah, depending on the size of the store. But they can't give you a plastic bag. They they used to have a big plastic bag the comic shop would give you, which was a very nice bag. Now they can give you a paper bag. But having to hold the uh, the, the 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 magazines in a bag and my big umbrella, yeah, it was just like it was just like a big mess. Then I went to Muji. I was looking for like I used to always get these newsprint like notepads at Muji, which is a Japanese store. And I went in there and I couldn't find them. And I'm like, the the woman that worked there, I'm like, hey, do you have these newsprint? She's like, yeah, probably not. They keep discontinuing products and introducing new products all the time. So I'm like, yeah, I used to buy them all the time here a few years ago. She's like, yeah, it's probably discontinued. Why would they discontinue a notepad? What the hell? Maybe I have to go online and see if I can find it. Yeah, I got on the bus. It was, the bus line was uh, really long. It was like, I, I hadn't, since I hadn't been going in that long, that much 
I had an experience of a bus line or queue, as they call it in some places, that was that long in a long time, where you have to kind of like follow it back into the recesses of the of the bus gate, and then try to figure out, and then all these like weird issues because there's you know kind of a, a a dividing railing, and then whoever gets online has to decide to go what side of that railing to go on, and. Anyway, got on the bus. Yeah, the bus was pretty crowded. Actually, on the way in, I, I did play one game of Flea Devil. Whoa, I'm okay. It's, everything's fine. I did play one game of Flea Devil Solitaire on the bus. Always a good proof of concept playing on the bus. You know, my latest uh, testing, because remember that I got that deck of cards, the uh, Chewy Zaps, that only had two Jokers but no other cards. So with my game Flea Devil, the number of Zonkers you play is very important, which are represented by, by Jokers or other junk cards. So I figured I would try out with my new perspective and all the new rules, playing with only two Zonkers, not three, because three is the standard. And yeah, it's so funny, but yeah, it just makes the game a little too easy to win. The three is is perfect. And uh, so some decks of cards, I guess, do not have anything but the 52 cards plus the two jokers. But I know all of like the modern uh, playing cards come with 56 cards, but it's always a toss-up what those other two cards are going to be. But you can pretty much use any of them as uh, as the third zonker. But yeah, so uh, you know, I, I'm glad I'm sort of reinforcing that that the three zonkers is the you know, and I'm and I'm sure if you're just learning that you can you can do two zonkers because you know three zonkers is kind of tough. But for me, three zonkers gives you that balance. You know. Also at the comic shop, I saw that it was amazing. This just came out a few days ago. Who's Who Omnibus Volume Two, right? And uh, so I have Who's Who Omnibus Volume One. It's it's over a thousand. Each one is over a thousand pages long, and uh, it is uh, the reprints of the DC Comics, like their reference work, the Who's Who. Hold on a second. I just I just on my phone I accident I have a Google Pixel Five. I accidentally hit stickers. Look at all these sticker sets you you can get. Like uh, the hell for I guess for communicating like. What would I? I'm not even in that kind of program. I hold on a second. Let me see. Stickers. <clears throat> I guess if you're in a chat program, you can add stickers. Bitmoji, Ugly Dolls, Shapemates, Funder the Sea, Kiss Fist ASL, Hopeless Romance 101. <laughs> this is all in in the area where where, where the keyboard is. It's all love, boy and girly, preggers. I guess that's cartoons that are pregnant. Milo and Dax, putting the cry baby, Alvaro el axolotl, food party, the party marshmallow, Sherman's <laughs> what? <coughs> Sherman's night in, Gerald the Jurassic. Giant something, Lulu and Jazz. Are these supposed to be like comic strips? What's a <laughs> everyday Canadian? Le Le Lune, Amorcito and Bebe, 
How do you choose Juan Canio Carlos, who's like who's like a cartoon skull, Mono Monito, Gogi, Bob the Beat, Popo and Lilo, Flora Friends, the other half, because Baby Animal, Caffeine Rush, oh, they're all cartoon like coffee cups of various sorts, Greens, Skater Dinos. Yeah, dino, dinosaur uh, skateboarders. The blobs live on. Long live the blob. That's interesting because um, the emoji set I'm using now has the blobs. Billy and Bobby, the turnips, it looks like. Best friends, International Women's Day, Tufio the Cat, Circus, Universe, The Lovable Zoo, Foodies, Best Friends Forever. I, I, I honestly did not think it would go on this long. What is up with these stickers? Is, it, is this that relevant to people's lives? Like stickers that you, and, uh, that you that you type in and what, like a chat program? I don't think you can use them on email, can you? Cozy love. Let's go outside. Christmas cheer. Oi to the world. What are those? Menorah candle? <laughs> Comic strip menorah candles? <clears throat> Soros d'amour. Oh, love mice. Pardon? Jean-Pierre, Spike the Hedgehog, Holiday Time for Doe, A Day with the Baby something, or with the Busy something, Adventures of the Star something, like it's, it's cutting off the text, you see. Boxy Kitten, Alex and Cosimo, The Blorbs, Nini and Coco, Chabo Days, Playful Ebby Ten, Today's Sarukichi, Twist Street. Again, I honestly, I the last time I saw something like this, I, there were like six of them, and now it's endless. We love a holiday. Sugar Hero. Tell me everything. Grown Up Ogre. Proudly Me. Hula Hooping Through the Something. Melancholic Onion. Full of Emotion. Beauty Ride. Adopt a Best Friend. Love You, Hate You. Bro Pigeon. It's a pigeon, a pigeon who's your bro. Say what you mean, marry by the sea, shake that booty. Oscar is coming. Talk to the hands. <laughs> Jyotis Janta High. I love India. Superstree, monkey's best friend, obscure emotions, stud munda, busy bee, wriggle it, gully cricket, <laughs> good morning, the Bengal tiger, dilly wally, Mumbai Kabos, Professor Subramanium, Modern (laughs) Parivar, Royal Affair, Prem Piare, Adarsh World, Gup Shup, Chai and Biscuit, Indian Wedding, Baby Rakshasha, (coughs) Butterscotch in India. What What is going on with these stickers? Party Shardy. Diwali Sparkles, Pencil Pack, Ravli the Traveler, Cats of Ramadan, Gaul Jadul, Super Mega Manic Slow, Sinatron Showdown, Listen to Your Elderly, Lost in Paradise, Sarcastic Soda Cake, Andel Andel in Love, Road Rage, Mas Bebjo and Hip Hop, Get Quat. But like, 
are these characters that have their own cartoons on TV? Are they made up just for this sticker packs? So what, what is going on here? Listen, we're gonna get to we're gonna get to the. I, I, I can't believe how many there are. There's there's not even any one of those little. There's not that little bar that shows you how far you are down the list. It just keeps going. Tukang, Boober, Nike, Noctin, whatever, soccer goals, Dang Dut, Coplo, Farah in the Galaxy, Pochi and Kunti, Mawar and Ringo, Family First. Oh, we're at the end. Si Daku Don Niemat, Mom's Prayers and the Something, and Sinyet and Siguk. Uh, what was that Canadian one? I want to get that one. Can you, you can you search in this list because it's such a long list? Let's see, I want I want to get everyday Canadian. Let's see what's up with this. So, <clears throat> it's a Canadian, a young Canadian woman with blue hair. And uh, she's like a cartoon. Do you have to buy this? Like, what? I, I added it. I, I, uh, okay. So what? What? What if I type it? Yeah, it doesn't really do anything, right? <coughs> oh, it is actually. <coughs> How do I get rid of it now? It's, I, it's it's like this is giant crying Canadian woman on the top of my page. Hmm. Well, what the hell? And she's saying no way with that, having her arms crossed. There's actually an emoji for that. I remember watching a... uh, I remember watching a a YouTube video about how to to play Pachi Slot in a Japanese pachinko parlor. And they use that symbol a lot, just crossing your arms. Like, don't do this. Hmm. Anyway, did I ruin my document here on Google Keep with all these Canadian issues? Anyway, let's get back to Who's Who Omnibus Volume 2. That was a very weird excursion into stickers. Let me have some coffee here. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, so Who's Who Omnibus. I bought the first one because uh, Who's Who It was a series of comic books in the 80s where DC Comics is like an encyclopedia for all their characters, right? And it had a very unique art style and graphic design style. And it was something I always... I think I still have my original copies of them because I really... Of any publications like that, they did the best. There was also the, there was also the Marvel Universe Handbook, which was kind of cool, but the DC one was always better. So the Omnibus, I guess it retails for like 150 even though I could swear the one I saw... The volume two said one ninety five. I may have been wrong though. Online it says one fifty, and on Google, and on Amazon you get it for one eleven. <clears throat> but uh, I had no idea the volume two was out because I remember waiting years for volume one. So they say it contains the nineteen ninety series Who's Who in the DC Universe, and also Who's Who in the Legion of Superheroes. So I was actually looking at those on there's some sort of free website where you can look at them. The Legion of Superheroes is like, there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of characters. I I only, I never like read Legion, Legion of Superhero comics like that religiously, but it was this huge thing. And then, I don't know, they, they, they it, then they completely cancel it, then it comes back. And I don't know what the story is with the Legion of Superheroes. Will they ever make like a Legion of Superheroes movie? Just like so many characters. 
So that's like a big... So I was looking at that. That was kind of cool. And then there's the additional series of 16 issues of the Who's Who in the DC Universe. And this is the one that was a larger. It was like almost like 8.5 by 11. And it had the three-hole the three hole punch. So you could make your own like reference works. I remember seeing those on the shelves. They were trying... They must have had so many left. Uh, the Midtown Comics over on uh, Lexington on 40-something Street. I remember they had a ton of them just like just like trying to trying to get rid of them. <clears throat> and uh, so I was looking at it. That's the major part of this new book, which is, you know, again, at the cheapest, $111. And it's interesting, but the graphic design style is not really up to par with that original. The original was just perfect in a way. The new one, kind of ugly look. So I don't think I'm going to get the volume two. I don't really need to complete the collection. See, I've defeated the collector's urge. Volume one is the essential volume. It's just like so, so amazing. I love it. But volume two, eh, I don't think so. But anyway, um, when I got to the workplace, I there's a new place in the lobby called the Goods Market. And I figured I would grab some some food because, you know, I was going to a little work party. I would grab a snack, probably like for the way home. And I got the uh, the Mezcla uh, plant protein bars, right? And so uh, the one I got was the, because uh, <clears throat> the guy's like, oh, I don't think they're vegan. But it says vegan right on the front, you know, so. Um, Mezcla plant protein bar, vegan, non-GMO and gluten-free. I got Japanese matcha vanilla with pea protein, pumpkin seeds, and quinoa. This has it all. I mean, come on. And uh, what was the other one I got? Let's see. I got the uh, Mexican hot chocolate. Yeah. And that has pea protein sea salt and quinoa so yeah you know the packaging is well designed so it's just like crisp like the, what's that that crisped rice kind of kind of thing and they also what are their other flavors they have uh peanut butter <coughs> peruvian cocoa peanut butter and apparently a newer one called maple blueberry that looks good. Canadian maple blueberry. More Canadian stuff. So it's like a Mexican-Canadian extravaganza with pea protein, maple syrup, and quinoa. So they don't—they didn't have the 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 maple the maple one. Um, so when I was on the bus, I was like, it was just you know because it was like super hot on the bus, and I was getting I was feeling kind of nauseous. I guess I drank a little bit too much. Uh, Champagne at the party. And then there was someone sitting right next to me. It was jammed in. and <clears throat> So when the person next to me moved, as people started getting off the bus, what you do is if you're sitting next to someone, then seats open up. You'll you'll take those empty seats so you're not sitting next to someone anymore. It's a personal space uh, concept, you know. You, you know, you want to make sure not to invade someone's personal space unless it's necessary on the bus. So I'm like, all right, let me grab this. This, uh, this should be the perfect snack for this long and endless bus ride home in the rain. 
So I had the first one, the the matcha one. It was like quite good. I'm like, wow, I'm so hungry. I'll have the other one too. I'll have the Mexican hot chocolate. And that was good as well. <clears throat> Only problem is, about three quarters of the way through the trip, one of those little, you know, the, the crisp rice or whatever, you know, you know that, that little crispy thing that, you know, like Rice Krispies, like that kind of, whatever they make, that kind of little substance that's in the bar, a piece of it got, got like jammed in my throat, right? And I felt it in there, like on the left side of my throat, and it was like driving me crazy. I didn't have anything to drink. Like the idea is if you drink like a ton of water, you can like push it down. So it was like really bothering me. And we were getting towards the end of the trip, but that's where that huge detour is. And like, as I, I and I'm like, I was trying to like, I had one of those little Listerine strips left. I'm like, maybe I can build up enough saliva in my mouth to like swallow it and then force it down, but it wasn't working. I'm like, should I just get off at Target and just run in and grab like a bottle of water? And then how am I going to get home from there? Take Uber home? I'm like, no, this is ridiculous. I can handle it. It's it's not like it hurts. It's just bothering me. This piece of crisp whatever is stuck in my throat. So I don't know. I, I was on my phone. I was playing some Marvel Snap, but then... I was getting nauseous from, you know, motion sickness on the bus and overheated and a little too much alcohol and, you know, and I had this thing stuck in my throat. So I'm like, let me just, let me just go back on the phone. I, 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 I just need something to distract me and I know it'll get better. So eventually it was this endless journey. Finally, I get off of my bus stop and I go in to this, the Dunkin' Donuts there, right? That Remember the Dunkin' Donuts that I watched being built over the years? And uh, it's so wild. Like they have this, um, <coughs> uh, this is there's just like a new bottle of Poland Spring because, like, because even like we 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 get those big packs of Poland Spring bottles. Even though I'm much more, you know, I'm more much more just want to drink filtered water out of the tap or you know, on our fridge we have a, a water filter. But the Poland Spring bottles to be environmental, they kept making everything thinner. The cap is like this tiny thing that it's not even like a, it's almost like the size of a coin, like the caps now. They're trying to reduce the amount of plastic per bottle. So it's become very flimsy. And yeah, if you're buying like a 20 pack for home, but I can understand retailers being kind of annoyed by this flimsy piece of crap bottle that they're trying to sell people. And this this is just me assuming it, but now... There's this new Poland Spring bottle that's much heftier and almost has facets like a diamond on it. And they had some in the refrigerator. They had some that weren't refrigerated. I'm like, I don't need it cold. So I went and bought um, this bottle of, of water because I, I, it wasn't as bad, but it was still stuck in my throat, the, the piece of crisp rice, whatever. I'm assuming it was crisp pea protein. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um... So the woman behind the counter at the Dunkin' Donuts was having all sorts of trouble trying to ring up the bottle of water. And I I had some cash. I had like $2 bills, but the rest were 20s. I'm like, what are the chances that a bottle of water is going to be under $2? I'm like, it could happen. But no, it was two twenty nine. But then in my pocket, I had uh, my change. From um, both buying the those bars and buying the magazines, and I had a, I had like a quarter and I had a nickel, <laughs> and so it was two twenty nine, 
and and sort of in the same theme, I'm like, okay, thank you. I, I didn't want I didn't want to wait for the penny. But then as I was then I dropped I, I like knocked over the bottle like a klutz onto her hand as she was trying to pick up my two dollar bills and the two coins. I'm like, oh sorry, okay, bye. And I I went outside the Dunkin' Donuts. It was raining and stuff, and I just stood there and drank the entire bottle. And I think it I think it did force down that, that piece of junk in my throat. Okay, they call it they do call it pea, pea crisp. Pea crisp. Yeah, so I gotta be I gotta be careful because like it's you know it, it's the, the whatever the substance it kind of like sticks to the side of your throat if you don't chew it up completely. So that's, I mean I would get these again. They're pretty good. It's just you gotta be careful with this stuff. Pea crisp. It's jammed in your throat. So anyway, I just want to talk about today's show art that I kind of I really kind of dig it. I dig this show art. Um, so it has kind of a, a, a gray green background. And then in, in the middle, in the square image with a drop shadow is, uh, one of the pictures I took at the American Dream Mall a, a week or two back, the outside part. And so you see the highway there and you see, uh, part of the, the MetLife Stadium, right? And it's just like the sun is beating down and I just love that picture. And then I typeset uh, the title and uh, and the name of the show, The Overnightscape, using the font rubber stamp. And it, they're sort of sideways. So on, on, on the left there you see a Subtilité de la puissance fluviale. And then The Overnightscape. And it just kind of feels like very 70s with that font and the French and everything. I, I really love how it works. See, now that I'm reading the phrase, I can say it. Subtilité de la puissance fluviale. I don't know why I dig that phrase so much. The subtlety of river power in French. Nice. And the, and to the highway there is kind of like a river, you know, like river power kind of implies like shipping things on a river. And there's a there's a truck there, a yellow truck. That's kind of cool. So overall, I really do like this show art. I hope you do too. All right. It's a bit later on now. And uh, there's, a, there's a game that, that we ordered um, quite a while ago. It just came the other day. Ordered it, I believe, on Thanksgiving. And it's taken all the way. It took a few weeks to arrive. It is the Bigno board. Uh, this was uh, heavily advertised on various websites. But I thought it would be a cool thing to have, the Bigno board. It comes in a cardboard box. And some, some assembly required, as they say. Um, you have to screw in these little pegs and put these little bands around the edge. So basically, it is a game. It's a dexterity game that is like a uh, it's like a soccer field, right? So let me try to describe this to you here. And the little marble is the the soccer ball. So the surface it's about a foot one by two feet approximately. So it's like a a soccer soccer field. They have many different colors. This one is just the basic black, and there's these uh, there's these elastic straps that you that that form the edge, right? And then there's two plastic uh, gold nets, and then there's metal pegs um, screwed in. Each each side has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten metal pegs in in a pattern. So you have this little marble, and what you do you go back and forth flicking it. 
I don't know what, how, how good this will be as a one-player game, but because uh, of the way the pins are arranged, it's actually kind of hard. I think it's possible to get a goal from the um, the center position, but I'm not sure. So here we go. All right. It just took me two tries. But usually people go back and forth. And it's a very fun game. It's, sometimes it can take a while for a goal to happen. Oh, I got another goal. <laughs> See, it's not good as a, one, as a single player game. Oh, I'm messing up here. But it's actually really surprisingly fun because of the nature of the surface. It's kind of a, almost like a, a very short rug kind of surface. Um, the little marble stops rolling after a little bit. And um, like, let's see if I can shoot from all the way across the board here. You just flick it with your finger. And this is not cheap. It costs about 100 bucks. I think we got it on sale, like a special sale for like 90 or something. But um, I definitely think this is a fun, the Binho board. B-I-N-H-O. The N with the Enya, the tilde. Binho. 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 But my wife and I were playing it. It's a really fun. It's just something to really, all you do is you just go back and forth and you try to get the, get the little ball in the net. <laughs> I'm having, I'm fighting myself here. Wait a second. Let's see. And sometimes you get like an amazing shot from across the board, acro across the field. I'm trying to see like the angles here. Like it's, yeah. So hopefully we're going to have, you know, we're going to have a bunch of, you know, holiday parties and stuff. Hopefully we'll bring this and I'm sure people will enjoy playing it. You can even have tournaments and stuff. There, the, online there's a, there's a, um, there was like a two and a half hour YouTube video of, of a Binyo tournament. See, I'm trying to see if it, if it is possible to, to get it on the first try here by bouncing it off the edge. Binyo board. It's a cool game. Yeah, they comes in all different di different designs and different teams and stuff. Oop, getting more deliveries here. Deliveries. He scanned it. You hear that? Doodle And there's my my camera telling me that there's been a delivery. All right. Deliveries, deliveries. I think it should be possible to, to bounce it in on the first try, but it's very difficult. Like, what would the angle be? It would be... I don't know if there's an angle. Yeah. Let me try this now. Anyway, Binyo. I'll let you know how everyone likes it, but I like it. It's a fun game. Talking about games, I was really, you know, I was really sort of thinking about the whole flea devil with two zonkers concept, and my uh, main game form is you keep playing in a session, you keep playing game after game, and if you lose a game, it's one strike, and you play till three strikes. I feel like uh, for my level of play, two zonkers, uh, the game just goes on and on and on. It's too easy to win. Eventually, yes, the game will be over. But you could go for a score run, sort of like uh, do something like five games or something and see the score you can get after five games. That might be interesting, <coughs> so I'll consider that. Though I do feel the the main game I've been playing with three zonkers, where 
it kind of it can go on forever theoretically, but because of the three zonkers, it's not going to. You know, you're going to get a lot of you're going to get a lot of strikes. Also, I find there's a lot more zonk out action with uh, three zonkers. That's where you can finally get at least two of the zonkers to, to touch. You can zonk one out into the easy go. And by the way, the rules are the printed rules are in the latest edition of the Ansel Great Decision is that a book that you can get on the website right now. The first time the printed rules have ever been released. So check it out. Let me know if you can check if you can try out some Flea Devil Solitaire. All right, around the porch, got a little cigar going. Still cold and rainy, just like yesterday when I started the show. There's the big umbrella across the porch there. It was sopping wet, so I didn't want to bring it in the house. Should be dry enough now. So, um, so yeah, I'm making some progress watching Max Headroom. I'm still on the first episode of the second series, on a, the one on ABC, where the first episode they recreating they're recreating basically the TV movie that started the whole Max Headroom phenomenon. What I find really interesting is that Charles Rocket is in this as well. He plays uh, one of the executives of Network 23. Um, of course, Charles Rocket also was in uh, the TV series I watched recently, uh, Wild Palms from 1993. And um, this one I'm watching is from 87, I think. Um, but Charles Rocket is in both of them. And he's, uh, as, as I mentioned last time, he was known for being on one of the more disastrous seasons of Saturday Night Live around 1980. I think Gilbert Gottfried was in the cast as well. Um, but he did the news, you know, he was the news guy and uh, and and <coughs> I think he would have gotten I think he would have gotten fired anyway, but he did say the f-word on at the end, you know, the very end where everyone is standing around at the end of Saturday Night Live. He was in the character of like J.R. Ewing from Dallas. Who even knows who that is anymore? Um they're like, who who shot JR? And he's like, I don't give a fuck, or something like that. I should find the clip. And he got fired for saying fuck on television. But he was in a bunch of stuff. Wasn't he also in Dumb and Dumber? He was in a bunch of stuff, Charles Rocket. But Wild Palms and Max Headroom, man. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm really delving into a lot of this stuff that's confused me in the past, you know. Like, Max Headroom is very confusing. And as I talked about uh, last time, all the different TV shows and then the ad campaigns and then the parodies and it all really was 85 through like 88 was like I think the big time period for Max Headroom and then it kind of died down you know after that I think as far as the original run of course as I mentioned that seems like they are going to bring it back looking to bring back Max Headroom with Max Frewer as well because it was going to be called Old Max <laughs> they call Old Max yeah <laughs> the computer-generated guy has become very old, very glitch. Well, he's already glitchy in his old age, but more glitchy in his old age. Yeah, yeah. Is this it? I'm trying to see if I have this thing here. So dare wow. I'd like to know who fucking did it. There's Gilbert Gottfried. Wow. <laughs> I hear that again. Charlie, how are you feeling after you've been 
Charles Rocket getting himself fired. Yes. But then they all got fired, I think. I, so I don't think... I think he may have missed one show or something. I forget the exact thing. But but if he never did that, who would, who would care anything about Charles Rocket? He would have just been like a guy on the failed season and then a minor actor. But saying fuck on TV, I'm talking about him now in 2022, you know? He died at age 56 a long time ago. Very sad. Um, so it was probably good that he said it. It set up his legacy. Most people never heard of him, but, you know, uh, yeah. Someone else no one's ever heard of, of course, is uh, Anthony Newley, who I've continue, been continually doing research on. What an amazing, fascinating guy that was everywhere and did everything and had now completely forgotten uh, I know he was bigger in, in Britain because I, I did mention it on the exit ramp last weekend to Doc Slees in England, and he said, "Of course, I, of course, I've heard of Anthony Newley," and you know, it was a, so he really knew about him. And um, I talked to a few people at that work party about Anthony Newley, and no one had heard of him. And uh, but my brother went up to Boston. You know, my brother John has has a show called Combat Zone with his friend, who. Uh, He's not on the internet. He's he, he's completely like sealed off. He has no modern technology. Um, and my brother tries to record him every time he goes up, but sometimes it just doesn't work out. So there is some there is some recording that my brother has that we may be able to have another episode of, not from this last time, but from the time before, another episode of uh, Combat Zone at some point. But this guy is very, uh, you know, he's he's a very interesting perspective. So my brother. Just told me that he. I asked him to ask him about Anthony Newley, and he said Mark talked. His name is Mark. <laughs> Mark talked a lot about Anthony Newley. He's like he was really into Anthony Newley. He had a lot to say about him. I would love to hear that. It's like it's so wild. Some people know all about him, and some people know nothing. But of course, Mark would be really into the Rat Pack, and you know, um, Sammy Davis Jr. Of course, is the is the big connection between. Anthony Newley was great friends with him, wrote a lot of songs for him, and big connection with Sammy Davis Jr., and Sammy Davis Jr. was in the Rat Pack with Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin and all them. So, But it's just weird. Like, I, It's not like he was... He was someone that did it all and had his hand in so much of the pop culture. Uh, and everyone knows the songs from Willy Wonka, you know. That's probably his biggest thing, you know, culturally speaking. Well, that's just sort of, sort of like saying Gene Shepard. He did Chris, the Christmas story, which everyone knows, but they don't. Most people don't know that he was on the radio and that his radio show inspired so many people, including all of us here on the Overnightscape Underground. Right? Um, my brother also said he did start to watch the Christmas movie, like revamp, remake. It's not a remake; it's like a continuation of the story from the 1970s and um, he said it was not it was unwatchable I have no desire to watch it I mean, I'm, not, I'm not even I, I, I'm not even that much of a fan of the movie I mean I, I just I guess because 
I mean, I'll watch it, but, you know, I, I don't embrace it anymore because I guess I've just seen it too much, as they do show it for 24 hours a day every year. Was this a fuel truck? Never a dull moment here on the street. Uh, but when it comes to Gene Shepard, right, his, his, his radio show was a million times more important than A Christmas Story, the movie. And yet most people never heard of it. And there's thousands of his shows, I think over a thousand of his shows available out there for free to listen to. When I listened to all of the shows I, c- I could get my hands on back around the turn of the millennium, changed my life. He taught me how to do a show like this by listening to him. And, uh, yeah. I haven't really listened to his shows that much lately, but I should go back and listen to some. I guess they're going to do some sort of fuel delivery. I guess some people heat their homes with oil, right? Oil heat. Like, my father has to. Like, where he lives in de- down in Bridgewater, New Jersey, they, they don't have gas service. There's no gas service there, you know? You don't really think of it. If you, if you have gas service, you know, uh, use it for heating and you can use it for um, the, your stove and our fireplace is all, all powered by natural gas that's delivered via pipes. So I think it is actually in liquid form in the pipes, right? It's pressurized, I think. Natural gas. But yeah, you know, you you can use also oil, but then it costs it costs like the it's not the same as diesel oil, right? So apparently it got really expensive. Gas, everything's expensive. What do you want? That guy was walking around. He he had some sort of form in his teeth. He's trying to find where he's going. I can't imagine anyone here would really not would be on fuel oil, but. I guess you might be. I don't know. I don't know what this guy's doing. He's looking around. Hmm. What is he doing here? Opening up a panel. Was he going to get like some kind of a hose? kind of a hose situation. This is weird. I never saw this sort of, sort of thing going on across the street for me. Yeah, there's a, he's a hose and he's going up the stairs across the street. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Fuel oil. Oh, he went around a tree. Okay. Oh, maybe the tree needs oil. Maybe there's like little elves or little fairies living in the tree and they they use oil for heat. They only need a little bit because they're so tiny. (laughs) What is he doing? Oh. He's looking... It looks like he's looking for... I guess a spigot to put the fuel into. Somewhere in the hedges. (laughs) What the hell's going on? What's going on here? I wonder what is the trigger. I think he has to go back down to turn on the uh, the flow, right? 
how would you know, like, that you're not going to overfill it if the controller's way down there and he's way up there? You see what I'm saying? Here's the postal letter carrier from the U.S. Postal Service coming to... Oh, everything's happening at once. Everything's happening at once. Yeah, he's still up there doing it. I was paused for a little while there. <clears throat> or maybe he has a control on the hose itself. That would make more sense. He's saying something to someone. Anyway, um... In other news, uh, this just this news just came out. A massive aquarium holding 1,500 tropical fish bursts in Berlin. The enormous cylindrical aquarium was a wonder. The centerpiece of a popular Berlin hotel. But in the early hours of Friday morning, it burst. And soon afterwards, Berlin Mayor Franziska Giffey said all of the roughly 1,500 fish in the aquarium had, con- had contained were believed to be dead. Reports later emerged that workers might have been able to rescue some of the animals. The Aquadom Aquarium was touted, maybe Aquadome, was touted as the largest freestanding cylindrical aquarium in the world. The aquarium dominated the huge atrium of the Radisson Collection Hotel, where the mass of water blew parts of the hotel's facade into the road and left the building badly damaged, the the Berlin Fire Brigade said. The catastrophic rupture of the Aquadome Aquarium took place around 5.45 a.m. local time, sending one million liters, more than a quarter of a million gallons of salt water and fish pouring into the hotel's atrium and lobby and out into the street as dozens of emergency response workers raced to the scene. Berlin police say two people were hurt, the result of glass shards. They also say there are no signs of a crime. In a file photo, a diver cleans the glass of the giant cylindrical aquarium known as the Aquadome in Berlin, Germany. The massive aquarium burst on Friday. Wow, there's, it's huge. Look at that. That's insane. <clears throat> wow. The building's owner says the Aquadome aquarium was completely destroyed, and the cause is not yet known. The hotel is now closed because of the damage. Radisson says adding that all guests are being relocated. People who were staying at the, in the hotel report being awoken by a loud crash or rumbling noise, only to realize that the immense, immense fish tank was suddenly gone. Witnesses say the calamity left fi- dead fish, ruined furniture, and debris strewn around the hotel's atrium, according to Deutsche Welle. Wow, look at that. Oh, my God. The... Someone, I guess, who works at the tank in our hotel, Blue? Damn, that looks such a disaster. There are reports that some of the fish might have been able to endure their habitat's sudden collapse, saved by small pools of water from the deluge. German public broadcaster RBB reports that some fish were apparently found near an elevator and taken to a tank in the Sea Life Berlin facility in the same complex. Oh, wait... There's a complex that has other aquariums? Wait a minute. But it notes that those and other animals were also in peril because the the power was knocked out in that part of the building. If the water carried them outside, any surviving animals would immediately struggle to survive the cold as temperatures in Berlin were well below freezing, while the water in the fish's tank was kept around 79 degrees. Friday's high was forecast to hit just 29 degrees Fahrenheit. 
The large aquarium and hotel are part of the Domaquari building, a complex that sits near the Berlin Cathedral. A clear-sided elevator traveled through its center, and visitors could sit beneath the Mammoth Aquarium in a bar and cafe area. The aquarium's tragic failure comes months after it reopened over the summer after being shut down for modernization work in October of 2019, according to its website. Hmm. Speaking at the scene shortly after the aquarium collapsed, Berlin Mayor Francisca Giffey said that if the disaster had occurred just one hour later, when more people were on the move at the hotel in the bustling Mitte district, the toll might have been even worse. Wow. I wonder what happened. I mean, you know, my father is a civil engineer, and he said, you know, when you you know, build anything, you need to have tolerances. That is, you know, you don't want to make the supports and the material strength and everything not just strong enough, but make it, like, much stronger than you need. So there's, there's like, no chance of failure, right? But it sounds like, I mean, it was 2019 when they, like, they were, like, reworking it. I don't know. I wonder if any corners were cut, you know. That's a good question. I don't know if it was, or if it was just sort of a freak accident. I don't know. Mm, very sad, though. I didn't even know it existed. It sounds really cool. You take the elevator up, th- up through inside the aquarium? You can sit under it in a bar? It sounds really cool. I, I, I uh, suspect they will not uh, rebuild it, though. Maybe they will. Who knows? I mean, I suppose unless they can really figure out what happened, they may not not want to rebuild it. <coughs> See, I dropped the lid of my own cylinder here, my my little metal ashtray. It's a great ashtray. I love it. Yeah, I brought back my Zippo because I ran out of like I had some old lighters, but they all I used them all up. So I had my Zippo. I don't know. I I, de- I kind of decommissioned my Zippo, but I figured it was time to bring the Zippo back because I was out of fire options and um, had a few matches left over but they're not much good if it's windy outside it's later on as I mentioned I've been working on the new book Uh, it's going to be a long process but uh, I think as I mentioned a few episodes ago I'm, I'm developing this idea of listening tokens which is just a way to add one more piece of context to each of the playlists, uh, which right now, so I'm the entire book with over 10,000 episodes, you know, have to really approach it in a way, if you just look at a list of 10,000 things, it's kind of hard to process. But uh, I've been breaking it up by natural, uh, you know, natural divisions, like, you know, this show, The Overnightscape, it's per month, right? So each month I'll do eight or nine episodes. So each of the individual playlists is, is broken up like that. Um, and uh, to provide each just a little bit more something fun, I call it a listening token. And this is based on the, the uh, Emoji 15 set. And um, Google released Noto Emoji just uh, earlier this year, I think in June or July, and it's a beautiful font uh, which takes all the emoji and um, renders them in, in, in a black and white line art in a way that uh, it's brand new. 
And uh, so what I've been doing is I went in and I typeset every single emoji. I'm almost done. I'm down to like the, the last 100 or so. There's like thousands of them. I've been doing this for so long. And then I'm going to sort of random. I'm going to randomize it. And then I'm going to select it. I, I'm not going to use every single emoji that are in there. Uh, but there's so many great ones. And the art is so great. So the listening tokens is uh, going to be in the next version of the book. And it's just it's going to be a little extra fun thing. You can ignore it. Or, you know, the idea is if you listen to all the shows in the playlist, you get that token and you can put you, you can make your own little page of the tokens you've gotten. Or something like that. Uh, it also could provide kind of a, um, an idea or a, a starting point for some sort of uh, doing some sort of activity or something like during listening, the whole fooning thing. But I think it's, it's very much like it's general, general enough that it's not overbearing, but I really like it. So <laughs> I've been spending so much time on it. I, I feel like I'm almost done. And... Um, also just started to very barely, um, just the bare beginnings of working on a new cover of the book. And, uh, you know, I have that artwork I've used, which is just a, a city at night. And uh been playing around with, since it's overnight, scape underground, over, under, um, putting that at the top and the bottom and it kind of has a really cool look. I, this is the first. This is the first day I've been doing. I, this is the beginning of that. But what little bit I've done, it, it it looks really cool, and it looks really awesome. And uh, also considering changing the name of the book to the Overnightscape Underground as opposed to the Onsug. <laughs> I know I've been going back and forth with this. It's really annoying, but um, I don't know. I feel like. Um, um, I really do love the Onsug. I love that logo. but And I haven't made any decisions yet, but I'm just, you know, I, I feel like, uh, you know, the Onsug has always been short for the Overnightscape Underground. And the Overnightscape Underground, just in its own, it, as a title, has more meaning implied in it than the Onsug, which is just sort of like a, a random w- word that doesn't really mean anything. I haven't decided yet, but I, I do kind of like the idea of just going back to the Overnightscape Underground. <laughs> I mean, Yeah. We'll see. I, again, this is just the bare beginning of the next next year, next summer. I'm aiming for for the new the new book, which is going to be so so improved in so many ways. Um, yeah, I'm looking at this prototype cover here, and it's looking pretty groovy. I got to say, pretty groovy. Hey, it's later on once again. We're approaching that solstice, so it's four o'clock, and already getting dark out. That's how it works. Excuse me while I have a sip of water. Anyway, um, I, I realized that that I missed the fifteenth uh, anniversary of the Overnightscape Underground about a month ago. Uh, yeah, eleven eleven twenty two was the fifteenth anniversary of the Overnightscape Underground, <coughs> which began eleven eleven oh seven, and that was the day that I that I recorded the the very first um, uh, segment. And I don't think, wait, I'm trying to think when I release it, though. Maybe we're not quite, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe we're not quite, uh, hold on, I'm going to figure figure this out. That's when I recorded it, but when did I release it, though? That's the question. Okay. I know I have this information somewhere. I, I, I mean, if anyone does, it should be me, right? I, I, I'm the one that made it up. Let me see. 
how do we get to the like the last page here? Two hundred. Maybe maybe today is the uh, anniversary. <laughs> Trying to figure out this sort of testing out like what how many page seven fifty. 775. We're, we're, we're zooming in here. 790. Okay. 780. <laughs> I'm just on the blog trying to figure out like 781. Let me see. Now, look at this. Okay, hold on. Hmm. One moment here. Oh, this shouldn't be so hard to figure out. We're almost almost there. Hmm. Now hold on. Yeah, yeah. So it looks like I released it on December sixth. Released it to public December sixth, two thousand seven. So that was just last week. Wow. I I, I mean, I, it wasn't that long. I wow. So yeah, the Overnight Escape Underground started off as as my uh, I I wanted a place where I could play audio that was away from my my main show, The Overnightscape, because I experienced, uh, for example, the weekend showcase I did uh, in 2005. People really didn't like anything different on the show. They wanted the show to be the same every time. And I felt some kind of a pressure to make the show a certain way. So The Overnightscape Underground was like a, a, a way to just create any kind of audio. And I structured it as like each, you know, like 24-hour days of audio. The structure was a little, you know, when in retrospect, the structure was a little off, but it was an, inter an interesting idea. So I recorded the beginning on November 11th, and I released it on December 6, 2007. Let's hear the very beginning of the Overnight Escape Underground. Yeah, because I've been kind of thinking about, you know, the uh, how, you know, what we're doing now is still a direct continuation of this format. <coughs> and, um, you know, my thought to just... Bring back the name of the Overnight Escape Underground. I, I know it never went away because Ansuk does mean that. It's just, anyway, let's see what happens. Here's the beginning. Some mad player music. It's a little more than 15 years ago. It's a big project. I, I was calling it the secret project, remember? This is day one, track one of the Overnight Escape Underground. 12 midnight, the start of the day. I am your host, Frank Edward Nora. Yeah, so like the idea is that, that if you, you would start playing this, like it's like a virtual broadcast, right? <coughs> that was like an <coughs> endless broadcast. It starts at midnight, and then you just, uh, right, I would give the time on this virtual broadcast. I think that was a bit much. It wasn't necessary, but let's not worry about that. I did abandon that concept after day five. Well, See, there, there are a lot of times where I come up with concepts that are a little overly embellished, and then I, I realize it, and, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to see the forest for the trees at the beginning, but I, I usually figure it out at some point. Welcome, everyone, to the very beginning of this great new project called the Overnightscape Underground. Fifteen years. Nice, yes. Here we are. This has been a long time coming. I've been working on this project for a Hi, time. Frank. It's you. It's me. That I, I am you from 15 years in the future, but you can't hear me. Long time, but finally we're here. The project has started. It's the Overnightscape Underground. Yes, this is what I have been calling the secret project. 
Now, let me set this all up for you. Uh, I don't know where you're, how you're listening to this, where you're coming from, but let me uh, go back to the beginning. Uh, my name is Frank Edward Nora. I live here in New Jersey. I'm 40 years old. I just wait. What? Old. How old is and, he? Uh, wow, doing... so young. Well, that makes sense. I'm 55 now, so it was 15 years ago. What a difference! That's, 40 sounds so young. These internet radio shows uh, for a long time, and the main show I've been doing is called <coughs> The Overnightscape. And I started that show back in March of 2003. Anyway, you can you can check that one out. But uh, yeah, 15 years. And, uh, of course, I went through a bunch of chaos of the, the years following that, 2008, 2009, 2010. Finally kind of settled down in 2011. Um, but this, as I said, this project is a direct continuation of that, the Overnight Skip Underground. Though it, it changed structurally, and, of course, many people have been doing shows on the channel, it still is the same kind of idea. I think where it's a little different is back then I, I had this uh, this concept of um, I would call it UG colon like uh, it was just the beginning of these titles UG colon in lowercase meant it was an underground hosting track that is I was on the Overnight Skip Underground hosting the Overnight Skip Underground and then a lot of the other stuff I just played as tracks right that there was a hosting level and then I would acknowledge what had been played on these other tracks. You see what I'm saying? Right? <clears throat> you know, I played a bunch of stuff in the beginning, and then, like, what was this one? Is this still there? No, right? Like, yeah, I just want to see that. I want to hear that one thing, like, where, when I come back, like, the hosting level. That, that's what I'm interested in hearing. Because we don't really have a hosting level anymore. That's the kind of... And that's what I really wanted to bring back with the book, the hosting level. You see what I'm saying? All right. Let's, let's go to the end of this track. The very end where, where I'm going to talk about what's coming up next. So the hosting level, right? The hosting. The hosting level. The meta level. The meta hosting level. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, it was really, that's what we kind of got got rid of after a while, right? What's going on here? Come on. Separate track, right? So you could just listen, you could just listen to that song if you wanted to. So, and, and, and remember, you know, this, this uh, Creative Commons license, the attribution license applies no matter what, this audio file is going to be under that same license. I'm not sort of claiming any additional license to it. Uh, you know, of course, my tags on there, like it'll say, you know, whatever track, you know, track two, day one of the Overnight Game Underground. That sort of information is, is sort of meta information. That's not sort of included in the audio track. But the audio track itself is under the attribution license. So you, of course, are free to use that under the attribution license as well. Make sure to. Yeah, this is a song my called My Straw Hat also. from that defunct website, myvirtualband.com. So this is mix three. <laughs> It is exciting. Here on the Overnight Escape Underground, the first thing I'm playing, the song. And then the hosting level was not just talking about other stuff, but the hosting level contained content in itself. Like each of the hosting levels was like an episode of the Overnight Escape, right? Just looking back and figuring this all out. My Straw Hat Mix 3. 
Enjoy it. See, this is how it works. It's interesting going back to, to look at this, right? The song, right? So then I Let's go towards the end of the song here. So then this is the next track, track three on the Urbanized Cape Underground. I'm going to like refer to what we just heard, right? Day one, track three of the Overnight Scape Underground. Hello. Yes, I am your host, Frank Edward Nora. Hello. Hey, everybody. Yes. Here we are on the Overnight Scape Underground. It's about 12.45 a.m. here on day one of the Overnight Scape Underground. Yes, 45 minutes into the, into the Overnight Scape Underground, into, into day one. And you just heard a song called My Straw Hat Mix 3. Right, so I was, I was doing that kind of meta-hosting thing. So it was kind of interesting. It was like a hybrid of like a never-ending broadcast. And then, right, I, would pl- I could play other stuff, and then I would refer to it on the hosting level. But the hosting level was also like my content level. I, I, I know it feels like we're splitting hairs here in terms of, like what is and what isn't, but there was a specific structure to this that um, I did continue. It's interestingly, I continued having that hosting level even while I was also doing the like when all the other shows came on to the Overnightscape Underground. I continued that UG meta level, and then when I had that big blowout in two thousand nine, right where everything went haywire, I kind of. Th- canceled everything but i kept the overnight escape underground and i continued with the ug tracks you see what i'm saying and that's what i call the the origin of the frank norris show but right like there was a few of them i'm trying to see like this one night coffee black uh no this wasn't yeah there's a few that were like i continued doing them occasionally and then i'm trying to see yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then and then when I had that big blowout with FMU and everything, I, I, I just went back to this um, this system, right? Yeah. It's just weird. Like, it's kind of hard to... Yeah. Yeah, I think this was the day, the day after my last show in FMU, right? Good morning. Here by my bus stop. It's called Day on Island. Uh, that was October tenth, two thousand nine. It's uh, Saturday, October tenth, uh, two thousand nine, twelve twenty one p.m. Going to be going into New York City to meet up with Manny the Mailman and Rule from the Netherlands, and we're going to go over to. Governor's Island, and uh, wow, just six hours ago, six hours and 21 minutes ago, I uh, completed my run of shows on WFMU. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting how, how this, so I, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to research my own history, I, you know, it's been such a long time, you know, then I had the radio vacation where I kind of 
a few episodes after that when I had the the radio vacation where I was thinking I might just quit everything. I, I was I was really I was really at the end of my rope, as they say. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the radio vacation was on the October fifteenth. But yeah, it was a, right after that. Um, and then let me see. And then I came back not even a month later on November seventh and continued on. Um, no longer using the UG, just. Um, making shows but they weren't called anything they weren't called the Frank Norris show the overnightscape or anything they just were tracks on the overnightscape underground right hmm. but i'm trying to think if there were still meta tracks let me go to uh let me go to the uh, grand chronology which is a great document which you can also get in the latest edition of the onsuk book let me find it here Mm-hmm. Yes, the Grand Chronology, of course, is a listing of every, all those 10,000 plus tracks uh, by, by date of release. And that took me a long time to throw together when I put that together. Let me see if I can find it here. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but it is an essential document because otherwise that information is not available. It's only available in this uh, this particular form. So let's see. Yeah, so looking at the night return, that's when I came back without the UG on the on, on there. And we had morning commute with Bob, the Brian Jude show. So I'm wondering if I was ho- referred to that a- as the hosting level or not. Hmm. But anyway, around this time is when the group channel started. So um, this is around the time where that hosting level kind of disappeared when we started the group channel, I believe. Uh, and then eventually I did call it the... F- I, it went a while without ha- having a name for my show. It was kind of weird. Finally, I started putting FN in by the date, and then I changed to the Frank Norris show, yada, yada. Anyway, not not, not to get too deeply into this, you know, the, the convoluted uh, history of everything, but uh, the complex history of everything, but... Um, no, I am interested in, you know, you know, for the book, I, I've been looking to have some kind of hosting level, as, I, as I've been talking about on and off. And, uh, you know, the Onsug Preview Channel was one name I gave it. So this is interesting, looking back at the history, 15 years ago. It's been a pretty wild 15 years, you know. Yeah. Just how impossibly lost and forgotten so much stuff is. But this archive and these shows I did sort of cut through into the past. Excuse me, they cut through into the past and provide kind of a, you know, a, a record of, of my life and the stuff that was going on. Yeah. What is this one? The Mystery of the Wooden Spoons? <laughs> what, was the, what was the Mystery of the Wooden Spoons? It was from uh, December 10th, 2009. I don't even remember. What was the mystery? Some some issue with spoons. So you know, in comic strips, yes, when a character is, is confused or or dizzy or drunk, yeah, you know, you know, like like you know, like like in the newspaper, uh, the funny pages, you know, in the funny pages, yeah. Uh, you know, when a character's confused, they they draw these little symbols over their head, right? It's like 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 little stars and planets and swirls and things. Yeah. Anyway, someday I'll figure out what the mystery of the wooden spoons was. It did. did I mean, let me see. There is a 
a text file here. You can probably see. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Did I describe it in the text? Like, what was the spoon uh, issue? Or uh, hmm, it was the last thing I talked about. Interesting. Someday I'll check that out. All right, we're back outside here. Hosting level. Yeah. See, but I guess there was sort of a difference. Because, like, if you look at the night station experiment, for example, from a couple years later, from that, from that time period, the idea was these very long-form shows where it would just be one show, but you're playing... You are playing others... Like, sometimes you would play a whole other show in the show... And then you'd remain on the hosting level, and also you'd be creating original content at the same time. <coughs> that that one, you know, that experiment didn't really work. But you know, hey, not all these experiments work. But uh, it was definitely interesting, and it definitely led, like for me, for example, it led to the idea of the other side I do on every episode here. Um, Interestingly, which has no hosting level because it's just I mentioned it's coming and then it's just it's its own thing without commentary for you know mostly without commentary. Yeah, it is all different theories of these various hosting levels and stuff. It get quite confusing if you really if you, if you really let let yourself get confused by it. Wow, what a gloomy cu couple of days here! Wow, it is really dark and cold and rainy out here. But I do have Christmas decorations, a couple uh, light-up deer, vaguely reindeer-ish, you know. <laughs> I don't think they're even reindeer, they're just deer that light up. So technically I have uh, Christmas decorations, nice. Anyways, with that I'd like to thank you so much for patching into this episode of The Overnightscape. I'm your host, Frank Edward Nora, here in the Onsug, a radio station inside a book. Go to onsug.com for all of your onsug needs. That's onsug.com. Find the latest shows. You can participate in a show called Overnight's Cape Central. Uh, the latest episode that was delayed one week, but that's uh, you know, as PQ said, he, he you know he deserves a, a week off now and then, and I taught, I I support that. You need you know when you need to take a week off, you need to. Uh, it's a great episode called "What We What We've Been Watching." Check that one out. And the next episode is ho holiday stuff, talking about anything about holidays. So it's a very broad topic. Anyone should be able to come up with something on that one. So please participate. Just listen to the latest episode to find out all the information information you need on how to participate. You know, and as I've been mentioning, we have over ten thousand episodes, over thirteen thousand hours. That's a year and a half of solid audio in this archive. The whole thing started, really, I, I would pin the start to the start of BluffCosm.com in March of 2000. And then three years later, in the March of 2003, I started this show, The Overnightscape. And then, of course, in November, December 2007, November or December, depending on how you want to measure it, started The Overnightscape Underground. And then in, like, September, October 2009, it became a group channel. Yes. <laughs> anyway... Everything's preserved. 
the idea is to archive everything is a non-commercial project. There's no money involved, right? We we all do this. You know, we keep we you know we we do this not to make money, but because we love doing it, and because there's probably not a lot of a lot of money to be made with it anyway. <laughs> yes, we have our unique style, rambling, talking about all sorts of different topics. Um, you won't hear any advertising or any sponsorship or anything on this channel. But the main thing is we're very focused on people listening in the near and the far future. We want this archive to be preserved, right, on into the future, right? Because there's this if someone is in the year 2800 and looking back at the early 21st century, the first few years of the 21st century, right, this archive is unique. Yes, there's a millions of podcasts out there, but this archive has a very unique and I would say in the scheme of things, an important perspective about this time period and um, the kind of stuff we focus on, what I focus on on my show and everyone else focuses on in their shows, there are so many perspectives, there's so much information and, and about this time period and about especially the second half of the 20th century, which I think a lot of people are going to be looking at in the future as this incredibly vital time, right? Post-World War II all of the pop culture and all of the arts and all the inventions, everything that that was done, and that you know, a lot, most of us lived through that to one extent or another. Um, anyway, just to say, wherever and whenever you are, so happy that you're listening. Thank you for listening, and please do what you can to help preserve and spread the word about the 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 Overnightscape Underground. Um, again, wherever and whenever you are. We must much appreciate it, and we're you know if really in a way we're doing this as a service to the future. I know that sounds a bit self-serving to say, oh yes, we're servicing the future. Maybe they don't want to be serviced. We don't know. But then again, there's in theory there's multiple timelines too. So maybe in one timeline, people are like, what is this crap? I don't want to hear this overnight skip underground crap. Get this, get rid of this crap. Toss it in, toss it in the uh, futuristic trash can over there. But then another timeline, people are like, holy crap. Can you imagine this stuff still exists? I want to hear this. All these people on this channel. They're like my new radio pals from the past. Yes, that's who we are. Yes. Indeed. You get the idea. It's the Overnightscape Underground. And now, another type of underground experience. Always different, yet always the same. Not the same, but it's always uh, similar. It's weird, even like I live in this the world of this project, of this second part of the eight show creating them right it's sort of like i'm there's a certain feel and a tone but don't take my word for it here it is this episode's other side the original ape saga that captured millions has returned now go back in time to the apes that captured mankind time's wiped out everything you ever knew to a world twisted backwards into the future Man has no understanding. Imagine yourself at the mercy of apes. Take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. Friday McDowell and Charlton Heston, the original Planet of the Apes. Tonight, 1045, Channel 7.
mentioned Sheridan Mall as a place you could trust for your family. But did you know Sheridan Mall is also a place for you? Especially from this Thursday through Saturday during our fabulous sidewalk sale. There are great savings on designer fashions everywhere you look. On everything you're looking for, our fabulous sidewalk sale on Thursday through Saturday. Sheridan Mall, always for your family, especially for you. In Mississauga, North York, and in Pickering. yourself this. Do you enjoy fighting traffic, parking problems, or shopping in cold, wet weather? Of course you don't, so why do it? Shopping should be pleasurable, a time to relax, a time to explore. Comfortable, convenient, and a whole lot more. More is what Mountain View Mall in Midland has, more than 50 stores and services. Mountain View Mall, your obvious choice. You'll find everything you need this Christmas at Mountain View Mall in Midland. We've got it all. Wake up and meet a new day, hear the song of the sea. Life in the city, starts at the center. Life in the city, starts at the eastern center. Life in the city, starts at the center. shopping center helps me zero in on what I want with their fashion exhibits. Thank you, Yorkdale. It's a little thing, but it's a nice thing. No, no, they're going to be mad at me. But I didn't leave my lights on. Who's this? It's Yorkdale's auto aid service. Oh, thank you, Yorkdale. It's a little thing, but it's a nice thing. Fancy that. How did you know you'd find me here? Oh, I didn't. You were waiting for oh, me. Oh, no, I wasn't. Here I am. Oh, boy, I'm excited now. Wait, wait a second. Now that we're together, with all these stores, and all this stuff to look at, let us shop till we drop. I tell you what, I shop, you drop. It's Toronto's new fashion center with an all-new look, Fairview Mall, where you'll find the fashion and the selection in stylish shops and boutiques, plus Simpsons and the Bay. You'll find it at Fairview Mall. You'll shop, I'll drop. Cute.
Hi, Max Edrum here with... This is my guest. <laughs> I heard you were big time in the old pop biz. <laughs> well, I'm going to take that as a no comment. So, nitty gritty time. What I'm talking about, and you're not, is that more people prefer the new refreshing taste of Coke over Pepsi. Sweating? It's true. More people are, as we cocologists say, catching the wave. Catch it if you can, can. Catch the wave. Coke. <sighs> For years, nothing's been hotter than those cuddly little animals with cute little names. Almonds. I don't have almonds, right? But abruptly this week, the makers of Beanie Babies, Thai Incorporated, announced over the Internet that it's over. So, is it official? 
It's official. Shop owner Joe Diamond had to post the news. Beanie Babies are dead. It's over. December 31st. Millennium. No more Beanie Babies. No, no more Quackers the Duck or Pinky the Flamingo. The company says every last one will be retired. That's why I'm here now. Bye. <laughs> the news caused a frenzy in the beanie world, especially among the adult collectors. Yes, I'm checking right now to see what uh, I'm missing in my collection. What happened was the chat room actually got flooded. Leonard Tannenbaum's Beanie Nation website was overwhelmed with mournful messages like, the end is coming. To them, this is really affecting their life more than most things that you guys have on the news. This, to them, is everything. They're the same avid collectors who've bid the price for Peanut the Elephant up to $5,000. But isn't, isn't that cute? What would you rather have, a, car, a new car or Peanut the Elephant? <laughs> In truth, the fad was starting to fade. Store owners say Pokemon is the hot toy now. But it's not the same as Beanie Babies. Now, Beanie Babies were unto themselves. So after one final frenzy of buying, collectors will have to go cold turkey. I will survive. <laughs> Without Beanie Babies? Well, it'll be difficult, but I will manage. And by the turn of the century, Beanie Babies will become has-beens. Anthony Mason, CBS News, New York.
I'm in cyberspace, the completely bizarre virtual world that exists in the global networks of computers linked by phone lines and satellites. Let's go walk about in cyberspace and meet some of Australia's electronic community. This is an evolutionary trend. This is technology and humanity interacting in a way that um, has never happened before. And I don't know what the outcome's going to be. I'm just very pleased to be here for the ride. It's very similar to a combination of a telephone call, a, a, a written letter, a fax. More than 16 million people worldwide access cyberspace via the Internet Global Computer Network. Information, ideas, sound and vision can be exchanged using a personal computer connected to a phone line. first time in history we can actually establish a critical mass of people to make something happen without having to be in the same geographical location. I think people in the country have a lot to benefit from electronic networking and email because they feel very isolated from city culture and as soon as they get a computer on their desk with email they can touch with everybody in the world. It's a very good way of linking up community groups and there are a number of uh, Aboriginal language centres around the country that I'm in touch with. It opens up the world to students and in particular for Indigenous students such as the students at Trambi. It opens up other Indigenous groups. Cyberpunk in a lot of ways for some people just become a style like being a raver or being a punk or being a, a skinhead or something, you know, it's just a sort of little cultural niche that you can drop yourself into identity. identity, yeah. We had quite a few people on the night who were just uh, walk up to the terminals and sit down and uh, communicate or you know, write messages to the, this virtual space that we created and we have people from all over the world kind of logging in or connecting into this virtual space. got an online magazine that we publish and we distribute and it means that rather than having to work through perhaps a, um, a larger organisation we can work directly with interface directly with the people who are out there. I don't read any daily newspapers anymore and I don't generally watch television. I seem to have phased that conventional type of information flow out. The net provides me with access to alternative types of information and I feel better informed for that. During the Beijing massacre, students uh, in China were, uh, were broadcasting out in, into, through the global network stories of sheer horror uh, on what was actually happening. Again, things that were very difficult to translate through mainstream media. That's one of the powerful parts of, of the network. It's not censored. Um, we mightn't always agree with what other people write. There's an um, Indigenous Rights and Black Rights conference that happens. 
and there's a lot of um, things that come out of there that are, that are very powerful and you wouldn't see in any other medium. MUSE stands for Multi-User Simulated Environment and comes out of the history of MUDs, which were multi-user dungeons, which comes from the Dungeon and Dragons game that people used to play. And they've been taken on to the, uh, into, the, into the computer environment. And they're simulations. The one I go to is called MicroMuse, and it's a simulation of a space station orbiting Earth in the 24th century. And the, the powerful thing about it is it's interactive. You go there, you're actually online with people in real time. In cyberspace, in virtual space, discrimination on, based on physical characteristics like uh, age, like physical beauty, disappear. The environment is your construct. Your body is also your own construct. Instead of the equipment that you're born with, your body is a projection of your will, a projection of your spirit. An attraction that takes place there while being like a physical attraction is really a mind attraction. And in a text-based environment, of course, it's the poets who are the best dressed. It's a new way of people showing their work to others or displaying their work that isn't um, mediated around being held in a, in a white gallery space. These are works generally created on a cathode ray tube and, and the best way for them to be seen is via a cathode ray tube. Going online at the moment can be an exciting thing, contacting people all over the world, but just imagine what it might be like in virtual reality when you can literally reach out and touch other people no matter where they are in the world. What I find happens to me is I feel like I'm floating and kind of losing my sense of gravity. Virtual reality. Cyberspace. Wow, it's pretty freaky in here, I can tell you. Get online and make cyberspace your space and join me in the digital dimension. Jack in, log on, and go off!
The FEMA plans to imprison American citizens have generated a lot of interest around the country in locating the potential prison camps throughout the country. These may be facilities currently being used as prisons, such as those you saw earlier, or prisons that are being built supposedly in the name of the war on drugs, or facilities that have other uses but which could be quickly used to detain large numbers of people, such as this Amtrak facility in Beech Grove, Indiana. We're standing now in the main parking lot, which doesn't look too sinister. At this level, it is a very large parking lot, fenced on all sides by fence topped by barbed wire. It also has these electronically operated turnstiles. There is also a surveillance camera, just like we saw at the FEMA facility, pointing out to the parking lot, and a helicopter windsock. All of these apparent security measures are particularly unusual here because this is a very low crime area and this facility is nothing but an old train repair station with nothing in it worth stealing. In this portion of the parking lot is a brick building, suitable for processing, next to a gate that leads right out to the railroad tracks and all of this is contained inside a fully fenced area now three layers deep in fencing at this point. This U.S. Air Force train indicates federal and military involvement. Facing the opposite direction, you can see that this area too is a very large fenced area with railroad track running the length of the fence and plenty of warehouses. This facility was supposed to have closed in June of 1993, yet instead several million dollars in federal funds have been spent on supposed renovations over the past two years. Helicopter windsocks and markers are evident throughout the property. This small building is the only way into a particular fenced area. Inside this building, we see more of the motion-activated detectors, electronic turnstiles, and prison bars. All of the renovations to this property have involved putting in new fencing, electronic turnstiles, concrete flooring in unused warehouse buildings, and putting in large gas furnaces on buildings that were never heated any time in the past 20 years. Outside this building is fencing and a cattle run section of fence, all topped by barbed wire, pointing inward not to keep people out, but to keep people in. This was common throughout the facility, particularly the new fencing that had been erected. Inside the fenced area on the other side of the building, you'll see signs that say Red Zone, right up next to the railroad tracks that run the length of the fenced area. Next to the Red Zone sign, you can see closely numbered markers on the fences that are too closely spaced to be parking markers, just as if they plan to have people line up to board the trains. Here's a helicopter marker on the power lines outside the facility.
indicating expected helicopter traffic and again another tall radio antenna. Looking around, you can get an idea of how huge this place is and how many people it could contain in its fenced-in area. In yet another fenced area, we see a large warehouse building at the end with the electronic turnstiles in front of it. The building is one that has a new concrete floor and its doors and windows have all been blocked. Outside there are new gas pipes. Even as we were filming, a black helicopter flew over us observing what we were doing, which has happened many times when we have been at the facility. The gas lines and gas pipes at the facility run the length of the buildings. and come out at some very, very large, brand new furnaces that have been installed at the buildings throughout the facility. We found this crane, which has seen better days, but is plainly marked U.S. Army in the middle of the stockyard. We found other fully working military trucks and equipment here at other times. Inside the facility, we found large fenced-in areas next to the railroad tracks marked Green Zone and Blue Zone, suitable for holding a lot of people. Many of the old warehouse buildings have had new concrete floors put into them. Unused sections of railroad track have been dug up and replaced, and from the supplies in the stockyards, it is obvious they will be doing even more construction and fencing. Senator Lugar of Indiana recently obtained more federal funding to renovate this facility, which is supposedly only for the repair of broken trains and where most of the buildings on the property haven't been used for years. It certainly appears they are expecting more than just broken trains. This tower, overlooking the entire facility at one end of the facility along the railroad tracks, also has a radio antenna on it with a ladder up inside of it. It would make an excellent watchtower.
love Alice in Wonderland. And now the classic children's story, Mr. Rabbit, is a wonderful new movie. But it's not for kids. Bill Osco presents Alice in Wonderland, the movie that's sweeping the country from top to bottom. With music by Academy Award nominee Peter Max. House with a white picket fence filled with kids and a little. Wonderland, starring this year's most exciting new star, Playboy cover girl, Christine DeBell. Hi, I'm Alice. Mr. Rabbit! Oh my goodness! With a guest oh. appearance by Flesh Gordon. Oh. Wonderland! Love it, leave it! <laughs> Alice in Wonderland, the world's favorite bedtime story, is finally a bedtime story. Because love is the real thing, not just a mere fling. It makes the heart sing, and the bells ring. Now I need a someone, a someone who is mine. Wonderland. Now it's rated R. Especially for you. But it's still not for kids. <laughs>